Greg, let's do some follow-up. Let's do some follow-up. I still have no bike. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Yeah? Have you still been looking? I have been. So I went on the Facebook Marketplace a little bit, but I just haven't seen the right bike. It's kind of hard to buy a secondhand bike because you want the dimensions of the bike to match well. Um, And then obviously the condition and, and the price you're willing to pay. But I have signed up for a few notifications from a couple different bike companies to send me an email when a specific model is in stock. Okay, so for new bikes, you're saying. Right, right. Okay. And I've been notified a couple of times, and so I've seen the bikes, but then uh, I've just decided not to pull the trigger, and I think I'm just going to end up waiting till spring because yeah. uh, I'm not going to really have much opportunity to ride between now and then anyways. So I actually, I said I have no bike, but I kind of have a bike. So I will be receiving a bike from my old roommate to whom I gave my old bike and who ended up not using the bike. So he got it repaired at a bike shop and it's in Cincinnati and I will be stopping in Cincinnati in a week. And so I will just take the bike back from him since he isn't using it. So Um, but to get it straight, you gave him a used bike that needed repairs. Yes. He got it repaired. And I will now take it back. And then you will now take it (laughs) back. back possession yes. of the bike and he didn't use it between the time uh, he got repaired and when you're gonna take i don't possession. know if he used it a single time so yeah yeah so i will get a fixed bike and i bought a bike rack so i can drive back to chicago um and then i also bought uh it's called a bike trainer but yeah. it's like a yeah so it's like a stand you put the back wheel in so you can just bike at home right. as if it's a stationary bike and my dad has one and i visited my parents i'm actually at my parents right now so i tried it out and it's not as good as a spinning bike, but it's a lot better than having nothing at all. So I look forward to being able to just like sit and casually pedal and not really pay attention while I, I don't know, watch YouTube or something. Yeah, yeah. So that's my my plan. It's not a bad plan. It seems like you've made out real well on the bike situation. <laughs> <laughs> well, lest uh, lest our, our myriad listeners get upset with me, I am going to pay him for the repairs. But <laughs> You're too kind. <laughs> still, a, still a good deal, I think, I got out of that. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens in the spring. It seems like the bike stock problem is being solved slowly. Like, I'm getting notified yeah. pretty regularly, like, hey, we have stock available. Do you want to purchase it? Um, so that's a good sign. So I'm hopeful for next uh, spring that it won't be you know too difficult to find a bike. Yeah, I would think by then. But who knows? I, I would even think in the winter it'll get easier yeah. as people have less need for them. Um, also in the fitness note, P90X, I had this in the follow-up, but I put this in the follow-up a couple weeks ago, so there's actually a little more. So I, I stuck with P90X pretty consistently for the first two months, but then I added two extra weeks in there, and then I also took some off time within there that was not included in the program. I actually wrote a blog post about it, but in the end, I did about two-thirds of the program over three months. And then I was just so tired of it. So tired of it. So I uh, I just finished maybe a week and a half of not doing really anything at all, just running. And now this week, I restarted from the beginning, and I'm not letting myself look at the old worksheets, so I don't know how much weight I was doing and stuff, and I'm just starting from scratch. And it actually feels great. And I'm enforcing that I'm not trying very hard. So this is like start fresh, mental reset, and do it again. Uh, so right now, I'd say good spot, but I'm only three days into restarting the program. Interesting. So you, you're you sticking with it despite feeling a little tired of it? 
Yeah, I haven't found anything better. I actually searched pretty hard for something better. I posted on the P90X subreddit. I said, I have, uh, I've done most of P90X, but I'm getting pretty bored with it. Does anyone have suggestions? And I specifically noted I want like something high energy that requires minimal equipment and has a good balance of strength training versus cardio. And everybody basically just said, do P90X2. And I don't want to do P90X2. <laughs> I would like something different. So I, I have found no better options. And I really have looked at some other things. There's a couple other workouts that do look promising, but they need more equipment or they're all cardio and no strength. So challenging to find something that fills the niche. I didn't realize that P90X is kind of unique that way. Um, maybe eventually I will find something good. But right now I'm having a hard time. Mm. Well, yeah, I wish you luck on your search. Not sure what else is out there. This whole event has certainly highlighted to me just how reliant I was on a physical gym. Yeah. I found, I found basically just found it really challenging to stick with a weight tra- any weight type of weight training program from the home. You're still using bands, right? Yeah, yeah. And I just yeah, am I not a fan. I just don't yeah. like them. Uh, but it seems like things may turn around in the near future, so just holding out hope, basically. And like yeah. trying to stick with what I have as best I can, but I've yeah I really just find the uh, resistance bands less than ideal. Mm-hmm. That attitude is really good though. Like I have some of that too. That's part of the reason I'm restarting P90X instead of desperately searching for a whole new routine or like making my own. Because I I do feel like, you know, if I can do this over the winter, then maybe by next spring other options are available again, and I'll be burned out on P90X just in time. So that's the goal. Well, it seems like a good plan. And so you're, I see in the notes here, you're still enjoying Huel? Oh, I'm, I would say I'm enjoying Huel more than ever, Greg. <laughs> Just the, the joys of Huel know no bounds. Yes, I, uh, I would say it's actually been a pretty big staple. So I'm, I'm meal tracking. I took a week and a half off along with my week and a half off of P90X. Um, but back to meal tracking. And I've realized that actually Huel was kind of a staple in that. I would have a really hard time managing to like – keep a calorie goal without it mm-hmm. uh and yeah some days i'll do it twice i have also found that when i'm craving something sweet at night i will just have fuel instead it might be more calories than like a candy bar but it's way better for you and it is kind of sweet so it yeah i uh, i love the fuel life they actually recently came out with solid food i don't know if you saw this i did not like hot meals solid food oh and uh yeah so i i've ordered a bag of it i'm not sure does it even come in a bag i didn't really look very carefully but i'm gonna try it and see what it's like i think it's like a curry flavor interesting no i had not seen that they came out with a new product yeah i've not yet returned to huel but the more you talk about it the more i am like i should give it another try it's just a matter of time greg (laughs) they also started a peanut butter flavor okay now you've got my interest i know i thought that would work yeah (laughs) Yeah, I don't like the flavor pack, so I'm not sure how I'll feel about the peanut butter flavor because I like the vanilla so much, but I don't know. I have a bag at home. I'll give it a try. What I used to do was add the PB Fit dry peanut butter to it to give it a little more Uh, some peanut butter flavor, so I'd get the vanilla and add peanut butter to it. Back in the day, that was the only option you had. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm looking now at their solid food. Mexican chili and green curry. Those are their solid food options now. Uh... I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't seem like your kind of food. That's right up my alley, though. I'm in. I just think they might want to stick to dry goods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might be a disaster, but I mean, I can't, I can't pass up the chance to try it. Man, that would be a game changer, though. Imagine if I could have two meals a day from Yule. That would ah uh, simplify my Soon life. Soon you could just sign up for the 
Huel Life Plan, and they provide all your meals. And they yeah. just no, I'm in. Charge your credit card, and you don't even have to worry about it. Visiting my parents has really reminded me how much time people spend preparing food and how I will never do that. Like, the between, like, between setup and teardown in the language of programming, <laughs> I can't see how you could ever justify the food situation. Like, I would honestly, given the choice between, like, a family dinner and Huel when considering the preparation, even if I only did a third of the work, I'd pick Huel 100 times out of 100. Like, there's just, I don't know. People don't value their time the same way. I've never understood this. yeah. Well, some people find the at the process of cooking enjoyable itself. Yeah, those people do have some <laughs> some deep problems I don't understand. Yeah, well, I think you maybe are alone. I just imagine mm-hmm. the swan the swan family in the future. <laughs> Children, sit, sit down. down. Here's your scoop of fuel. Eat up. <laughs> Two scoops. It's dinner. <laughs> you pack them a a, a, a a blender bottle with a detachable cup at the bottom with their fuel. For lunch yeah the, the little kiddos will have to learn quickly how to do the the mixing yeah get those uh lumps out of there all right well i think that knocks off follow-up right anything else no okay Ooh. well why don't you tell us about your gaming experience because you've got quite a few b- bullets here so i sense that's been on your mind yeah it's been a, a pretty big focus which i guess is indicative of of how productive i've been recently <laughs> yeah but uh so I'll, to start off, I guess, I'll just mention that I tried unsuccessfully to get a PlayStation 5, like many people. So yeah. I'm not unique there, um, but it's been a, a frustrating experience, but I won't complain too much because it's really not a big deal. Um, so instead of of that, since I haven't been able to uh, acquire a PS5... Well, wait, uh, quickly. Yeah. Did you think you were going to get a PS5? Like, had you planned around it and then you were unable to acquire it? It was in the back of my mind as a possibility, but I did not pay very close attention when critical dates and information were mm. were passed along because I just just wasn't it just wasn't in my mind, and that was a big mistake. If, if you were interested yeah. in getting a PlayStation Five, uh, you know this this year you need to have been paying attention throughout the summer, and I just wasn't. So I didn't I didn't get a I didn't get a pre order. And then when the, I guess it was what, November 13th was the day that the console launched and was available at retailers. I tried a couple of times. I tried on a few different websites to, to get one, but um, each time like the website would crash pretty much whenever, (laughs) (laughs) whenever there was like, as soon as word came, got out that there was some time that PlayStation were going to drop on a, on a retailer's website. It was just a flood of people some people are claiming it's all like bots i don't know uh Hmm. i don't know i don't have any way to verify that but i think maybe there's just a whole lot of interest and just not a whole lot of uh of units available do you so i haven't followed it much at all either do you know if it's an issue with the supply chain or if it's just pent-up demand i think it's a combination of both Hmm. uh the pent-up demand is is just from just my intuition but it's been seven or eight years since a new console yeah. came out and this this one promised a whole lot a lot of improvement over the ps4 and then i think the supply chains have definitely been affected for sure just even uh let alone the the manufacturing of the ps5 I'm sure that's been complicated but the transportation of it too just getting it into port 
getting it to different countries has been challenged. Mm. So uh, I think it's, you know, kind of getting hit on, on multiple sides. Um, and I had initially not planned on buying a PlayStation 5. Like, I didn't have any strong desire when I first yeah. heard about it. I was just like, whatever, I'll wait, you know, 6, 12 months. What? I'm, it's not an urgent thing. But then they they uh, they launched with Demon Souls, the video game, as oh, a launch yeah. title, and that you know really changed my perspective on the situation. Um, so is Demon Souls a sequel to Dark Souls? It is the predecessor and oh. the spiritual in- inspiration for Dark Souls. From the same company. Correct. From software. Oh. So this is like a remake of a really old game. Yeah, it's a okay. remaster. So they built it from the ground up in a new engine. So it looks a lot better, but they had access to the source code of the original game. So they claim that everything mechanically about the game, the way weapons work and the way combat mm. works, is the same. Uh, is is the same as the original, just looks better. Gotcha. Um, but to your point, Demon Souls launched on the PlayStation Three in two thousand nine, I think. And it is now the launch title, yeah, of the PlayStation Five. Uh, wow, eleven Wait, so years Dark later. Dark Souls is newer than I realized. So Dark Souls came out after that. Yes, Dark oh, Souls okay. came out in twenty twelve, I think. And hmm. then two years later, there was Dark Souls two, and then a few years after that, Dark Souls three. Oh, so, so they made a lot pretty quickly. Which one were you playing? So I started with Dark Souls three. Okay. And loved it. Felt, sort of fell in love with the whole genre that they've created. And I want to play Demon Souls. So I was trying on the hunt for the PlayStation 5 just so I could play the remastered Demon Souls. Mm-hmm. But I failed. So my the alternative is that I've picked up Dark Souls Remastered for the PlayStation 4, which is a remaster of the game that came out in 2012. But it's not nearly the same type of overhaul as what the Demon Souls game got. Like it looks nice, but it it shares a lot more in terms of uh, visual appearance as the original does. Mm, okay. So all that—that's a whole bunch of boring stuff we just talked about. <laughs> I guess the point being is uh, I've picked up this new game, Dark Souls Remastered, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. And it's a good alternative for Demon Souls because I haven't played either one. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I've chosen to do. It worked out well because there was a sale because of Black Friday. So I was able to pick the game up cheap. And now that's what I'm spending a lot of my time doing. Nice. Yeah. So I finally have a picture of what Dark Souls looks like in my mind. Because I uh, I was talking to another friend of mine who's pretty into video games. And he pointed me towards this YouTube channel. Which is just a guy who sort of like reviews slash plays slash makes fun of video games. Called Video Game Dunkey. Oh, I love video games. Have you seen that? Yeah, I think he's Uh, actually pretty funny. He, man, I have a lot of feelings about video game Dunky. It's so funny (laughs) that you've just stumbled into him. It's sort of like my guilty pleasure. Yeah, I feel the same way. But I've watched all the ones that I like. I don't like the playthrough ones very much, but I do like Mm -hmm. the commentary. Me too. And I've in the last week I've watched like all of them. He does some great ones on Dark Souls. Souls. Yeah, they're great. I've gone back and watched them. It's ridiculous how much I enjoy. (laughs) It's funny. The first time I watched them, I had no experience with Dark Souls. But mm-hmm. he still has humor in it that anyone could appreciate. Yes, because that's where I am. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I enjoyed them then. And then I've played Dark Souls since. And I've gone back and rewatched 
the videos that he did on the different uh, the different ones I've played, and they're even more enjoyable now. Yeah, because you just get more of the humor. I could see that. Yeah, because I've watched some of the commentaries on games I have played versus ones I haven't, um, and it is better if you have played them. But it is nice because now I have a lot more context around what Dark Souls even looks like because I had yeah. no idea. So I have yeah much more of a concept. But it does not look. I don't know. Maybe I'm like having a hard time remembering the eras very well, but it doesn't look to me like a game from 2012. Like it's not the the graphics are in the movement are, are really bad. It seems like <laughs> the way the the main character moves is just like hovering over all the surfaces, spinning his legs. It just looks really dumb. Mm-hmm. I think you and it's hard for me to really know because I didn't play video games back then. But I don't think that it's uh, I don't think it's out of place for the time. I think at the oh, time really? people thought it looked really good and oh, played yeah? really well. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah. All I played was Madden, so that's my only concept. And the players also <laughs> moved pretty badly back then. So Yeah. No, I and I don't know maybe that's wrong. I I will say what everyone is saying about Demon Souls right now is that it looks incredible on the PS five. So I wonder oh, if yeah? in ten years we'll look back and be like, Oh, that game Yeah. Was so I do wonder that. Yeah. It's just it's always it's always relative to what, what you've seen most recently. But you're right. I guess I wanna s- I want to go back because I didn't realize this would be a topic of discussion. <laughs> so you've just been introduced to Video Game Donkey. So a friend passed along this yeah. to you? I think, yeah. I think I had seen a video of his maybe like two years ago, the last time I, I saw this friend. And I didn't really think it was funny. And then he showed mm-hmm. me another one this time, and I was like, eh. But then I watched a couple more, and then I started to understand the sense of humor, and I really appreciate it. Okay. Okay. I was going to ask, like, where, what, well, I guess one, like, what was... What were some of the videos that you found most humorous and what is it about them? Because I have a hard time actually explaining why I think Video Game Donkey is funny. Yeah. I, I just I just enjoy it, but it's hard for me to really pinpoint what it is about it. Because in a lot of ways, it's a bit crude and childish. Yeah. But for some reason, I <laughs> maybe that's just I indicative. I think it's like a really good take on almost meme culture. Like, he knows that it's dumb, but it's funny because of the way it is dumb. But then there are also occasional, like, really... Or, or like deep references to other video games that you you have to like recognize like i had watched the one he did on final fantasy 7 and then i had moved on to i think the one on near automata i'm not sure mm-hmm. these are all games i haven't played but at one point like this weird thing happens in near automata and this guy pops up and he's like oh we accidentally recreated then he names somebody from final fantasy okay and it's like the connections i just think it's kind of impressive the jokes span videos and span mm-hmm. games and i always think that's fun um yeah but I, I would have a hard time explaining what's funny about it too there are some things where i just think he simultaneously makes a it's sort of like stand-up it's like he simultaneously makes an incisive bit of commentary where he says something you don't really notice and then he says something really dumb about it and Mm -hmm. that's very funny so like there was one where he was complaining about uh the difference between maybe it was zelda and batman arkham asylum and he was like okay so first off let's just look at the screen here so they're both third person and so you can see the back of your character. But in Zelda, your character is just this tiny guy, and you can see the whole screen around him. And in Batman, Batman takes up a third of the screen. And then he's, like, playing Batman for a second. He's like, get out of the way, Batman. <laughs> yes, yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've seen that yeah. one. <laughs> no, that's a really good one. That's a good one where he's he's he mixes his humor with thoughtful criticism and critique of video games in a really interesting way. Yeah. And he, the ones where he reads comments are also very funny. Those are like great. Just read YouTube comments, and they are so good. I yeah. one of one of the references I make to his videos 
now in my everyday life, but I don't, I don't, I don't call it out when I do it, but I just always think of it in my own head and have an internal chuckle about it is in the, in the YouTube comment videos he's done. There's one where he highlights two <laughs> comments that are right next to each other. And one of them is like video game donkey sucks. He's terrible at video games. And the one right beneath it is like video game donkey is the best. And he's like, Oh, conflicting opinions. Who do, who do I believe? Who's correct here? And I will do that all the time. <laughs> uh. The, the one that has popped into my mind a couple times is, uh, I now I'm not going to remember exactly how it goes, but he was talking about how people respond to criticisms of their favorite games, and it's like, you're biased. Yes, okay, you're thanks, nitpicking, bye. bye. Yeah. yeah. You're nitpicking and biased. Yeah, that's <laughs> you're dumb, bye-bye. Uh, yeah, I think that's exactly right. It's yeah, pretty, so that's just popping my head now. Yeah, you're right. And I like that. What's great about that episode... That he did. It's funny. I refer to them as episodes instead of videos. They feel like it kind they of. They do. Yeah. Um, is at the very end he does that. He's like, and if yeah, you think yeah. I'm wrong, <laughs> you're just nitpicking and biased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think he's very sharp. It, it, some of them don't quite strike me as that funny. Like some of them are just amateur, but a lot of them are pretty funny. So the problem is I, I at first was having a hard time guessing which ones I would like and which ones I wouldn't. But now I've watched almost all the ones that seem like I'll like them. So I've, I've burned through the series in like a week. Right. Yeah. I went through a similar thing. Like when I first found him is I kind of went through and found all the different videos I like. And over time I've sort of gained an appreciation for more than I initially did. Mm. I guess maybe that's because I've learned a little bit more about who video game donkey actually is as a person like i saw him do a podcast on oh, yeah. a youtube podcast channel and what was interesting about that interview was that he uh he you can clearly see from that interview that he is playing a character in his videos mm. and that the real life person i think his name is jason in real life that he's actually kind of a shy um, yeah. bit like reserved individual it seemed and like thoughtful but just was not like with not in a crowd like not amongst a group of people would be one cracking a whole lot of jokes i guess unless he felt comfortable is my guess yeah but in his videos he you don't get that impression at all like he just seems uh he just seems kind of the opposite of himself he was certainly playing character yeah well it is funny because i was yeah i was watching these videos and had never seen this guy didn't even know his name and i was picturing in my head like who do i think this guy is in real life and then i kind of drew up a picture in my head and then he showed a picture of himself at a conference and i was like that is literally exactly who i thought he was gonna be <laughs> but yeah it does strike me as like a guy who is pretty smart and a little reserved but has really good commentary on the way other people talk about things like he's mm -hmm. basically making fun of gaming culture he and is. it's very funny yeah he does a great job yeah and he also, I think, something I appreciate about it is his quality of editing, where he does he does what I refer to as like editing humor, where he makes mm -hmm. a joke by the way he has edited his video yeah. together. So the one I just most recently watched that had an example of this was in an episode. He did a Dark Souls Remastered video. And since I'm playing through Dark Souls Remastered, I was like, let me go back and watch the donkey video on Dark Souls Remastered. I remember enjoying it. And I really did like it, but there's this part where if you haven't played the game, you probably won't actually see the joke in it, where early on in the game, you meet an NPC character, a non-playable person you just talk to, and he's going to show up again later, and he's like a fan favorite um, within the series, and he makes a joke where he like introduces him, he's like, look at this idiot, and then he hits him with his weapon, 
and kills yeah. him. And he's like, got him. And he's like laughing and just being sort of, you know, a jerk, kind of. Really, really leaning into this character that he's creating. And then later on in the video, he's like, look, the guide says that the person to help me beat this boss should be right here. <laughs> and it splices for a split second to the character that he killed. And yeah. he's like, whatever, I'll just do it myself. And he runs in and dies immediately. And it was just this really funny joke that, like, he'd net, there wasn't, he didn't, like, say a punchline. He just edited together this sequence. And he had to think yeah. of that before he even started recording the videos, which I, I really I do think that's impressive. I've seen things like that, and I couldn't put my finger on any because I just haven't played that many games. With the games that I do know, yeah, I've put that together a couple times where he said stuff like that. I do think it's very funny. And then within that joke, there's another joke where he at the beginning of the video was like i saw in the comments people think that i'm using guides no that's not true he's like look i'm just better than you don't be jealous but within that joke later on where he's like look the guide says that, <laughs> that this person's supposed to be here to help me so in it within the same video he's like he's hitting multiple jokes yeah. within one line which is really good it was just really funny the Dark Souls ones might be the funniest, even as someone who hasn't played, because I don't really understand how these work, but I guess there's hints that come up yes. during the game, and a lot of them are like, this is a, this this is is a, actually fake, wall. a fake wall. Yeah, and then he <laughs> like, runs up to a wall and doesn't get through. Yep, yep. He, you swing your weapon at it, and then the one he does within one of those videos, he tries like three times and falls for the, the fake hint. So users <laughs> users are able to write those hints. So that's where that's coming uh, from. Like, players, rather, can write those hints. So I, if I, as I'm playing... If I get ambushed, I can put a hint down. It says, like, watch out for ambush. So mm. the next player who comes But then people me. just troll other people with fake Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, the hidden wall one is a big one. The illusionary wall. So he tries a bunch, and he keeps he keeps getting tricked. And he plays, like, a funny noise afterwards. And he's like, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> and then late into the video, he's like, reads another hint. He's like, illusionary wall ahead. He's like, nope, not falling for it. And he runs away. And it actually is an illusionary wall, a huge one, like one that you need to find to like progress the game. <laughs> but he makes, he clearly knows it's behind it, but he's making a joke yeah. there. And if you've played the game, you know the joke that he's making. So there's a lot of like hidden jokes within yeah. that if you haven't played, you wouldn't pick up on, but you can still enjoy the video. And it, yeah, sorry, this has been a, quite a tangent, but I'm, I've not found another person who watches his videos or has watched his videos oh yeah so it's nice to be able to talk about it <laughs> it fits right into my youtube rabbit holes yeah maybe like a month and a half ago i went deep on uh do you know know what bro science is I forget if yes. we talked about bro science yeah we, okay, we've talked so about I've, it before i think yeah yeah i watched like every single one of the bro science yeah. that was, and then i took a break yeah i was the same well like we went over this before i think where i found bro science way back in the day and i did the same thing like i thought he's funny domazetti right is that that's his character that's yeah. not his actual name but he's funny he's a funny yeah. youtuber all right well there's our youtube tangent for today um okay so we should talk about some other games we're doing you have civ 5 here and i have zelda do you want to start off on your civ 5 adventure um yeah yeah i can start so i picked up civilization did i say five it's six i think actually civilization oh, okay. six i typed the wrong thing but so what are the key tenets of civilization counting is <laughs> counting is a big one yeah. yeah haven't gotten to that part <laughs> so um yeah, with so Civ Six, I saw it was on sale on Steam for a really good price for all the DLC included. Which, if you aren't a fan of the Civilization series, the DLC is huge. Like it's a huge major addition to each of the games. So normally, when you buy the base game, you know you're going to buy into the DLC. But the strategy I often take is just wait till the very end 
uh, once they've done they're done comp- uh, developing the game and releasing all the DLC, they'll release a like gold edition includes everything, and then they'll put it on a big sale eventually. So that that finally occurred, so I picked it up real uh, for a real good price, and I have, was incredibly addicted. I, have you played Civilization before? No, but I've played very similar games, and I also find them so addicting. I don't think I'll ever buy one again. Yeah, that it was like three weeks straight where I couldn't think about anything else but Civilization yeah. I know how that goes. Yeah, and it, once you start a game, it is so easy to end up playing way longer than you expected. And so Civilization, for those who don't know, it's a PC game where you can take control of a, a civilization, an empire, and you are going to... The objective is to try to grow your empire, um, battle against other empires that... Uh, are within the random game that was generated for you and achieve one of about seven or eight victory outcomes you can win through science you can win through culture you can win a whole bunch of different ways so that's like i'm not going to go into any more to the game because it's just way too complicated (laughs) to explain too much i guess the last thing i'll say is it's turn-based so that's the part that really is easy to uh you know become a huge time sink you're just like one more turn just one more turn and i'm going to go to bed and then it's like two hours later (laughs) <laughs> and you're uh, you're still up playing Civ Six. Yep, I had uh, I had a game called Imperialism, which is uh, I don't know how popular it was, but it came out for I guess Mac OS nine. Um, back when I was running on an iMac in my parents' house, how old was I? Probably probably like twelve or something. And it was exactly the same as Civ, um, as far as I can tell. Admittedly, I've never played Civ, but it's like. You start as one of the countries of the world. Yep. You build up your empire. You invest in science. You invest in all yeah, sorts of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And the then, same. yeah, and then I graduated from that to a game called Master of Orion, like the galaxy, and uh, it is exactly the same except you're in space. And those, both those things, I just lost so much of my time. And then I found an emulator for Master of Orion from uh, Mac OS X in college, and then played that constantly <laughs> for weeks and weeks. And then I was like, never again. I just can't do these turn-based strategy games. Are just Especially the ones where you're, like, building up something. It just is too much exactly what hooks me. Yep. Yep. I'm in the same boat. Yeah. Because you're, like, always building towards something. So you're always, like, thinking and strategizing to the next thing. And you'll have different cities or entities that are producing resources and units. And you're, like, trying to create synergies and coordinate across them. It's so satisfying as you build new stuff. It like, it's like a lot of things about video games that I, I now more consciously try to stay away from. Like anything that feels like accomplishment, but is in reality, absolutely nothing. It's just part of a game. (laughs) It's like, no, like save your accomplishment energy for actual accomplishments. Yeah. Well, what are you trying to say? My save files on Civ 6 are meaningless? (laughs) (laughs) No, this is a good transition because I'm fighting the same issue with Zelda right now. So I don't have as big a problem outside of the turn-based games, but still open world games often are the same for me because there's infinite objectives. And it's like, you get this uh, this dopamine rush every time you conquer a couple side quests. And it's like, ah, making progress on this yeah. giant masterpiece of a game, which yes. I will one day finish at 100%. And it's like, no, this is a huge waste of your time. You're not accomplishing anything. Well, um, I mean, you're not wrong, <clears throat> but at the same time, like life's worth enjoying. And if you're yeah. enjoying it, if you're enjoying the if you're enjoying the journey, like I don't think it's wait, time completely wasted. But I think yeah, I think you have to keep in perspective that it's got to be fun to like do the stuff and not just that's to true. check things off. Yes, <clears throat> that's, that's the, the part that yeah, it's and and 
I fell into a similar trap with Zelda, and that's why I ended up just sort of uh, about oh, like halfway through changed my approach to the game where I focused on getting to the end in a way that I wasn't before. Before I was trying to explore everything. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think I'd still it, be exploring. And it's fun. Like, I think you should do it for as long as you're enjoying it. But eventually, I hit a point where I was just like, uh, I kind of want to just, you know, complete this game. I feel like I've seen the vast majority of what this game has to offer. Not gonna, and I never really thought I would 100% it. It's just way too big of a game. Mm. But what's nice about Zelda as an open world game is you set the pace of uh, completing the story. So as soon as, if you want, I've seen YouTube videos of players who will at the very beginning of the game, go fight the final boss. And there's nothing stopping you outside of... Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's, like, no key that you need or nothing you need to check off before you can, like, enter the castle. The only thing that's stopping you is that you're way too weak unless you're yeah. an incredibly experienced player who, like, knows these little hacks you have to do. Like, you spend, like, 20 minutes preparing by collecting some basic stuff, and then you go and fight the final boss. And... um so the point being is you can set the pace. So I just decided partway through that I was going to beeline it to the boss, and that's what I did. Wow. No, I'm, I'm not that. Because I am a horrible video game player. Really, really bad. Unless unless you are quantifying NBA uh, 2K skills, I think in all other ways I'm a terrible video game player. So I have to, like, get my character to a way stronger level than I think otherwise would be necessary. So I'm yeah. just spending the whole game collecting hearts and stamina. Nah, that's not a bad plan. I did collect, like... The, I filled up my entire stamina and collected most of the hearts, uh, but I didn't do all of them. And the other thing about beating the final boss, the tip I'll give you, is that those beasts, the ancient beasts that you conquer, those are mm -hmm. the most important. So, like, once you have all That's four of I those, yeah. then you're, like, you're pretty good, I bet. By the time you get all four of those, I bet you're ready to go fight Ganon. Yeah. There are a lot of entertaining side missions though like uh, i have found the variety of the zelda side quests is excellent compared to other games i do i have realized i think at the time it was my first real open world game uh skyrim and it is not good <laughs> i just keep playing new games and i'm like oh yeah this is way better than skyrim i had this with the witcher i have it with zelda it's like skyrim was just a factory of the identical of yep. identical missions over and over identical characters over and over non-playable characters with no personality um but zelda even where i thought i was gonna have to do the same thing over and over so there's one one part of the game i mean it's not like sequentially part of the game just like one aspect of something you can do which is to uh you find these i forget what they're called they're i'm they're like statues in front of a shrine that you're trying to get mm -hmm. to and yeah. you have to bring a dragon scale there to get the dragon scale you have to shoot a dragon which drops the scale then you have to go hunt it down because the dragon is like flying overhead so you got to go find where it dropped and i was like getting accustomed to this i had done it once or twice and then i ran into another one and this time no the challenge is totally different the dragon has like a like a disease or something where you're supposed to be shooting at these patches of I, you can think of it yes as like i know what you're talking about listening. i remember this but now yeah so you have to like jump over the dragon from a mountaintop yep. and shoot down really accurately and yes. i was like this is way more interesting than i thought this was going to be so it it exceeds expectations in a variety of ways yeah it subverts your expectations as you progress through the game you think you mm -hmm. understand and that they've established a pattern they're going to follow but then they slightly tweak it where yeah the main the core of it's the same like you're hunting a dragon but this time you're actually helping it 
by clearing mm. its disease. I, I remember what you're talking about. Yeah. And the uh, in general, it does a really good job not being tedious. Fast travel is easy. Um, I don't have any horses. I don't get the point Me of neither. horses. They They're seem useless. like a huge waste. No. <laughs> but, um, the one place where it does sometimes fall down is they have these really elaborate puzzles in all the shrines. And that's yeah. how you unlock more, basically more health. And I find that some of them, you have to keep doing the same task over and over if mm-hmm. you make a mistake. And it's that part is very tedious. So I've gotten a little annoyed a couple times there. Yeah. But other than that, pretty good. I think that the dungeons, the little temples, uh, little mini dungeons, would be the one area in that game that I think some more creativity in yeah would is warranted it would have been more interesting to me i think that if they had some of the temples be more like dungeons where maybe you get like more than one orb at the end but like there's a series of puzzles you need to solve there's enemies to fight there maybe is like a mini boss in part of the dungeon and you work your way through it and once you get to once you've worked your way completely through the dungeon you've like reaped all the rewards versus it being better because once you've because the shrines are one where you don't get uh, surprised where once you've seen mm-hmm. once you've seen a, a maybe like a fifth of the dungeons you pretty much know what they're all going to be like like they're just small variants of each other yeah that is mostly true yeah yeah i think i think mostly i've still enjoyed them but sometimes they do get a little annoying yeah i mean they're worth the they're worth the effort because the to help you beat the game mm-hmm. they they're necessary but i don't i don't feel like i really remember the many of the little temples shrines Yeah, i probably wouldn't either yeah in a couple weeks yeah. whereas i do remember like some of the beast boss fights and working through ganon's castle like i remember other parts of the game a lot more than i do those little shrines little mm-hmm. so well tldr zelda's pretty good Would it's recommend. great i highly recommend it still yeah infinite <laughs> infinite hours i mean there's so much in oh there. yeah and there's dlc which i haven't even touched oh the dlc oh well i would uh, yeah i don't know at this point if it's worth it but um buying the dlc while you play is a huge benefit because one thing that it adds is i think this is part of the dlc is you can see on the map everywhere you've been it shows a line of your progress throughout the whole world and where that's really useful is this giant open world game. It's hard to keep track of what you've seen and what you haven't. And so what I did for the last day or so is just go through everywhere that I hadn't seen yet and just like fly around, see if there's shrines, see if there's anything interesting. And so you can actually see like, have I hit this spot yet? Uh, that greatly improved things. I believe that was part of the DLC. I yeah. haven't done any of the DLC missions though. Yeah, I've, I didn't even touch the DLC at all. So I can't even speak to it. Um, but highly recommend even without the DLC, still a great game. Yeah, and I think they're working on a second installment. So I had heard that. Yeah, yeah, I will definitely end up acquiring that. But man, I'm gonna need a break. I also was thinking about um, getting Cyberpunk, which I think we've talked about before, mm-hmm. coming out pretty soon. It, it's probably, I don't know, my my gaming PC is quickly nearing the end of being like a good gaming PC. I'm not even sure it is right now, but it might be like good enough to do this game. And then after that, I will have to make a decision of whether to upgrade. And it's like, well, maybe I should make the most of it while it's still good. Yeah, so. yeah, that's a good point. Well, that's one thing I've actually been debating, and I wanted to ask you, what graphics card do you have in your gaming PC? I have a, a 1080. Although the, now the letters matter again. What is it, a GTX 1080? I forget. I'm not sure. 10, uh, TI 1080? <laughs> I don't have the TI. Okay. The TI is like the next model up. 
God. So I had of that generation, I had the second best numbered card. But now they're on to like twenties and maybe even thirties. I was I bought one when they were like when they hadn't come out with updated cards in years and Bitcoin miners were buying all of them and everything. Right. Yeah, I think they have recently upgraded them. Maybe three fifty is a number that I've seen. I've been doing a little bit of That might be an AMD racing. card, I'm not sure. So the NVIDIA series right now, I thought was the I'm checking it out. I find they're oh, just impossible oh. to tell what you should buy on every it's it's frustrating. Yeah, I it's, think okay, so I think it's RTX. Uh, what I see is RTX three seventy is okay. like what's in the excellent gaming build on PC part picker. But I bet you this card's not even available. Like I bet you can't find this card anywhere. Yeah, you never know with these. They are a big mess. That's the numbering what, is hard and That's what has okay. pushed me away from making a jump into pc gaming is these cards are like impossible to find a bunch of these parts are and it's probably similarly related to um like coronavirus what was it the 3080 that they listed i three i see 3070 yeah it's sold oh, okay. out on bestbuy.com you can't buy this card well the 3090 is just uh 1500 so that seems like a mm, good bargain that's pretty good that's only three times as much as this card yeah it does have 24 gigs of VRAM. Yeah. And this one only has eight. also out of stock. Yeah, I bet every card is out of stock. Uh, every decent card is out of stock at this point. I would. I, would. I don't really understand why. Like, what's the rush on them right now? Because a couple of years ago, know. it was Bitcoin. They're just bad at making them, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, They're, I think I mean, manufacturing is really slow. Yeah, I think manufacturing is part of it. And I think I think demand is up and, and supply is down. Um, I mean, maybe they'll get it together soon. It kind of is, is hard to know when you jump in. It's like really tough. Kind of like They are always a problem. I used to, actually, the way I ended up getting mine was I would just stop in Micro Center anytime I was in the neighborhood and see what mm -hmm. they had. And eventually I got an open box one at like 30% off, which at the time brought it down to like a competitive price because they were all being <laughs> sold above MSRP because of the, the Bitcoin thing. Yep. Yeah, so now I'm look. Yeah, I'm looking at yeah this card. I'll both I saw a three thirty seventy, and a thirty fifty, and I don't see. I can't find either of them anywhere. Oh well. No, uh, no new PCs for us, I guess. Nope. Nope. Okay. You were saying cyberpunk. I think I'm actually gonna steer clear of cyberpunk at least for a little oh, yeah? while. Yeah, I'm just I'm not sure open world gaming is really the genre for me now there are exceptions yeah. we just talked about zelda i really like zelda but i think that's the exception to the rule um so i think i'm gonna i'm gonna steer clear maybe you might pick it up in the future but uh yeah i just i'm just not sure i would i would even really make it that far in the game hmm. that's yeah that's good to know about yourself i maybe should steer clear but i'm tempted not to i haven't decided for sure yet yeah like the best open world games like critical consensus that says these are great games i've just have found a hard, had a hard time even really getting that far in them like red dead redemption 2 oh yeah i tried twice and i still own the game so maybe one day but every time i get bogged down in these missions and things it's just boring and i don't yeah i just lose mm -hmm. the interest to continue that's interesting yeah so 
Actually, do, do you have any more on the video game topics? This is a good transition to something else. Yeah, let's transition. I got nothing okay. else. Okay. So I, this isn't one of the things we had picked out as like something we need to talk about today. But um, I recently, it, the way you were talking about um, like whether it's good, worth doing cyberpunk, and I was thinking, is it like worth spending time on these kinds of things, reminds me of something that I just tried this week, which is making a Kanban board of my life but not in the way people usually use Kanban boards. Instead, I have uh, four columns. I have to do, in stasis, doing, and done. And the only one that really matters is doing. So on doing, I have a list of things that are like occupying time in my life, significant life energy. Um, weekly reviews, P90X, diet tracking, premature optimization, um, reading a book, which is range. I have like reading colon range. Um, playing a game, which is Zelda, and watching donkey videos. These, <laughs> these are the seven things, or actually, yeah, the seven things that are like occupying space in my brain right now and occupying mental energy. But I've also color-coded them. So I have different categories, which is um, meta and life planning. That's weekly reviews. And then I have health and fitness, which is P90X and diet tracking. I have, um, what is blue? Oh, personal projects is blue. So that's premature optimization personal enrichment that's the book i'm reading mm -hmm. and then um i have a color called recharge which is for like time wasting stuff basically but i want to be cognizant of the fact that i'm supposed to be using it to recharge not to just do nothing right um so zelda and the donkey videos are in there and what's interesting about this approach that i like so far is it i'm thinking of it as a portfolio of where my time and energy is going like what what is on my plate right now so I've talked about the doing column, but I have these other things that are in to do or in stasis. To do is stuff I haven't started, and in stasis is things that I kind of have started but have tabled for a while. Mm -hmm. And those are color-coded in the same way. And the way I want to think about this is when I finish something or table something in the doing column, I can think about what can I add out of the other two columns. So anyway, that's I don't really have anywhere I'm going with that. It's just been a, a different way of looking at what's going on in my life and where my energy is going. And so far, I really like it. Is this all in Todoist? No, this is uh, I, I don't know. I guess I could probably do this in Todoist, but this is all in Trello. That's intriguing to me because, well, one, if I I've gone through the exercise of mapping out where I spend my time, but I have never done it consistently. Uh and I imagine if I did it, I would be, I would reflect upon it and say, I want to rebalance this. My ideal self yeah. would say, this should be rebalanced. So I think you having this board is a way to keep that in check. And also, I like the idea of rather than just aimlessly floating between things as I do now, you have sort of mapped out a plan you can look at so that as you retire something, you have a backlog of things to consider which is more, I like the intention, like being intentional about how you're going to spend your time. That sounds nice to me versus what I do now is sort of like, oh, I'm done with this book, game, whatever. What's whatever strikes my fancy next, which can be nice, yeah. but you sort of feel like you can look back and be like, where did I spend my time? I kind of sort of feel lost. What have I even been doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's where I feel like I have this habit of always having a book going independent of whether I'm like also listening to a bunch of podcasts or following a YouTube series on something education related. But now I want to categorize it more as like, I'd like something from general enrichment to be in the doing column at all times, but mm -hmm. it doesn't need to be a book. 
And in fact, I shouldn't have more than two things in there. That's another thing. I don't want like too many things from the yeah. same category ending up in the doing column. That makes uh, sense. And it's also kind of neat to see what ends up in stasis and to do. Because in to do, it's like a bunch of things that I'd like drift around in my brain. And it's like, ooh, I could do that. Maybe that would be good. But then I just never get to them. Mm-hmm. I could. And, but that tends to be a lot of what I call meta, which is like life planning stuff. Um, like time tracking is something I've thought about doing of like time tracking all my time. But I've never tackled it. And that kind of thing is like the sort of idea that sits in to do for a while. And then in stasis is stuff that I, you know, I like kind of started but got disenchanted with. So a number of books are in there. Um, a couple books that I started and then also learning Haskell. I like wanted to learn another programming language and I started it and then I put it down. And even thinking about, like, could some of these things just be tossed? Are they permanently done, or are they still on the table to be restarted? And then what categories keep ending up in these? So Yeah. It has yeah, it has been interesting. And also, it doesn't require updating very much. I may, might make it part of my weekly reviews just every Saturday, go in here and make sure that it's current. I don't know. Yeah, I think that, for me, if I were to implement something like this, I would have to have it on a regular cadence to review it. Otherwise, I would go back like. <laughs> Yeah. five months later and be like oh this is That's all out of date about. and just no good yeah clearly this didn't work <laughs> is what my resulting what the result would be is yeah it has helped me think about something else on our topic list which is um so this is the end of the year of health and fitness for me i had i had a couple quarters of health and fitness in 2019 and then 2020 i decided it was going to be the whole year of health and fitness and I would say the first year was, or the first half was okay, and the second half was really good. Like, I have definitely failed in a lot of ways, but um, just thinking of, like, my default eating habits now, they're just way better. And, like, my default exercise stuff is better. Um, and I've kind of gotten a better idea of what needs to be in place for me to succeed at these things. Um, you know, things even like things like having fuel for one of my meals, just, like, knowing that strategy has been really helpful. But at the same time, another thing that's come to light is there's a huge trade-off between where your energy goes. And this is like episode one. We talked about the light bulbs. Yep. And it's been so clear with the health and fitness thing. Like as soon as other things in my life start to occupy where I'm thinking, where I need to put my, my thoughts and my energy, it's just really hard to stick with the health and fitness stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm currently thinking about what my theme for 2021 will be. But I suspect it won't be health and fitness. And that means that what I need to do in the last month of 2020 is figure out what is a reasonable um, what is a reasonable way to treat health and fitness that it doesn't have to be the number one thing on my plate without yep. being absolutely horrible at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of that is probably going to be about not pushing myself so hard in all my workouts and not being like super diligent about everything. Like I need to be a little more relaxed but still not fall apart. So. Right. No, you're trying to strike a really uh, hard balance. I think a lot of people struggle with, I do too is it's easy it's not easy i won't say it's easy but when you make health and fitness your primary objective your primary thing you're focused on you can uh usually find success it's then moving from that stage of you made this a priority but now you want it to become more routine yeah how do you how do you how do you convert this from being a a primary objective to a routine uh something you incorporate with the rest of your life while you primarily focus on other stuff and not let it fall apart to maintain the good habits you've developed um and yeah that's really i don't have any good i don't have any advice frankly (laughs) honestly it may take longer than just december of this year because that was really the stated goal of having this as a theme 
that I wanted to incorporate these things as habits and not just like a thing that I do for a year. Um, so we'll see. I'll, I'll have to do some assessment of that. I don't want it to be my theme for all of 2021, though. So maybe I need a theme that partly encapsulates that and partly doesn't. So yeah. some more thought is required. Well, keep us posted. I'm interested to hear what you come up with. Are you going to do a 2021 theme? I, sh- I, do, I, I haven't thought about it. I want to, but then I'm also unsure of what it should be. So I need to take some time to think about it. Yeah. Um, frankly, I need to set up a better system of, of tracking what I'm doing and how I'm working against things I set out to be objectives. It's just so easy for me to say, oh, I want to do this and then be good at it for a little while, but then t- for it to fall yeah. off my radar. Um, that's, that's a problem I gotta, I gotta figure out and solve. I do feel like that's the beauty of a theme though. Like, like I didn't do any specific tracking of like, like I didn't do check-ins on how's my theme going or anything. I just, in general, when I was caught and we talked about this, but when I was caught in situations where I was like, I really want to work on this, but I also want to do this. My default was always health and fitness. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I started to work on some side projects again in the last month and got really tempted to get sucked into that but i i was like no this is it's still health and fitness till the end of the year that's what comes first right and i think just even having that sort of general principle helps a lot no i agree with you i think the theme structure gives you more flexibility where you like you already mentioned as you face decisions it helps you make the best choice but i think for me some type of check-in is necessary to keep me honest Mm. Uh, but what that looks like i'm not sure so i'm gonna have a think on it and i'll check in next year okay (laughs) i will too all right well um what other topics do you want to hit anything else priority um have you been staying up to date with stuff that's going on in the nba i have not not really i know it's going to start on december 22nd yeah yeah that was that was uh the main thing that I know too. I've had a hard time actually keeping up to date. I actually was in a situation where um, some friends of mine were talking in a group chat about stuff that was going on with the NBA, and like I read, a, I read a, one of the messages, and it was like a trade that was going to happen, potentially happen, or it was happening with the Warriors, and I was like, oh, are they trading their pick to do this? Like, what's going on? And it was the day after the draft had happened. I totally <laughs> missed the draft occurred. Like, I, that's how yeah. out of it I am. If the draft just really moving, did fly by. I kind of missed it, too. Yeah, it's all going by so fast. It's way too fast. <laughs> yeah, I made, don't know who ended up on what teams. Yeah, Me either. Me, well, I do know the top three, right? Like, well, I know that the Warriors picked uh, the James center, Wiseman. James, James yeah. Wiseman. The first-round pick with Anthony Edwards, right, to, to the Timberwolves. Yeah, and then uh, Lamelo, I think, went mm-hmm. to who? The Hornets. Yeah, Charlotte. So yeah, I do that's know about the top three. Me too. Me too. So it was a, a crazy. It's been crazy. Like, and the developments. Like, I've seen a number of huge trades occur. It seems like the Thunder have been flipping people. Like, yeah. I couldn't recount what happened, but all I know is they've traded. They're basically tearing it down. They're trading away their assets, and they're getting picks. Like they have a stat. What did I see? I'm going to misquote this, but it's something like over the next three years, they have 10 first round picks or something. Yeah. 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 I heard something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Which is nuts. Like they have Mm. an arsenal. Like if they just land two of those, like if they, if they make the right bet, like they could really 
turn their franchise around. It's kind of like the Celtics a few years ago, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. Which we've seen as the Celtics, like it can put you in a great position, certainly make you competitive, but it doesn't mean it's easily a home run. Like there's still a lot of work to do, but they've set themselves up for potential success with stockpiling that number of picks. It feels like they're fleecing everybody was my, (laughs) as I read through these trades, I'm like, why are GMs agreeing to these things? Yeah. It, I, I haven't followed it closely, but I get that sense as well. Yeah. I don't know. So much has happened, but I was so I was more dialed into the NBA than I ever have been in my life at the end of this season. Mm -hmm. Like just like literally one of the dunked on podcasts every morning and then watching all the games and sometimes listening to commentary during the games and some other podcasts, too. And then I just totally stopped. Yep. Just completely get out of my life. Same. Yeah. Same. I was like, I'm not interested. And then the NBA turnaround was like, we're starting in December. I'm like, I'm not ready for too you soon. to start. Yeah. Way too soon. too soon. It's funny too, because had you taught had you asked me before this whole like the bubble and everything transpired, I've been like, No, I can't get enough NBA. Like they need a short off season yeah, same, and blah blah same. blah. And now I just have been yeah, totally shown incorrect on that. It's just yeah, too much. It's too fast. Nice. Yeah. It's all too fast. I don't even know what's happening. Like, I don't even know who's on what teams. Yeah. It seems... I'll probably get into it when it starts. I don't know. It's hard to know. I'm not sure I'll watch a lot of games, but I, I, I'm i sure I'll follow it. I think I will follow it, but I'm doubtful I will watch many regular season games. I think I will tune in late into the season to watch the playoffs. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. Um, one other thing we have on here that probably should have been in follow-up is an update on your coffee journey. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not sure it counts as a follow-up because I'm not sure we've ever talked about this. Yeah, maybe we didn't talk about this on the podcast. For, for okay. I think we talked it just normal conversation. <laughs> um, but so the update is that I've put my caffeine pills down. I've set them to the side and I'm now a coffee drinker. This day would come. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I'm giving up the convenience. Um, but yeah, I just decided that I wanted to give coffee a try. And so I went out and bought a really cheap coffee maker and a few different bags of coffee from some different, uh, brands and, uh, have now started making coffee every morning, which is great. It's a nice little ritual. I really do enjoy, um, having a hot cup of coffee as my breakfast and it, uh, has been good. But what I have found already is like there is huge variance between brands of coffee and how they taste. Like brand and roast have a huge impact. And I'm finding that I really enjoy Starbucks brand coffee. Now, I'm not saying there isn't a better one, but what you can get at the grocery store is you look in the coffee section of the grocery store. I feel like so far Starbucks has been consistently the best. So what have you tried and which of the Starbucks ones, which roast are you getting? Yeah, so I got the starbucks blonde roast light roast and they have two variants of that right now they have Mm. their like normal i'm not sure what they call it blonde and then they have this one they're calling sunrise blend which is a limited series thing so Mm. i had both of those i've had um starbucks medium pike's place roast and then i had this italian brand coffee i can't pronounce the name Oh, Gavalier. Well, there that, there was Gavalier, and there's another one. There was another oh, Italian okay. one, too. Um, with the Gavalier, I had um, two different dark roasts, and with this other one, it was a light roast. So a little, you know, favoring yeah, quite light. quite selection. Favoring light a little bit. Could use some more mediums, I think, and maybe another dark, just to see what else is out there. But so far, like, the 
the coffee uh, from Starbucks across all of their different roasts and whatever, limited, not limited. It's been better. It's just been better. That's interesting. Hmm. So, okay. So I have lots of follow-up questions. Um, of the three Starbucks ones, do you have a preference? Uh, one of the blondes, for sure. is mm-hmm. The morning one's pretty good. I've only had one pot of it. I, I liked it, though. Um, but I don't, I'd have to have that one and their normal blonde, like side by side for me to be able to articulate how they taste different to me. I just haven't had them enough to really, I liked them both. That's like my takeaway was they were both enjoyable and I liked them. Yeah. So you liked them both better than the medium? Yeah. Yeah. The medium wasn't bad though, but I've, I've, I'm thinking the lighter roasts are the ones I'm going to find more preferable. However, Mm. like I said, like. The combination of roast plus brand matters because I had a light roast from another Italian coffee brand and I didn't like it at all. And it was interesting, yeah. too, because the coffee was like it is they grind. Supposedly, this is what they say. They grind it up. So it's the best for a drip coffee maker, which is what I have. Mm. But I didn't think that was true. Like, the why? <laughs> well, one was that more grounds got in my coffee than the oh. Starbucks variant. Mm. Which is strange. Like, normally drip coffee doesn't have that problem, but I found, like, every time I made a pot of that, there were some grounds that got in. That is very odd. Huh. And it wasn't a ton, but it was just a small amount. Every time, though, consistently. And that doesn't happen with the Starbucks. And I just found the flavor to be way better from Starbucks than from what what this other brand was had made. So are you following the ratio that they, or the amount that they recommend? Okay. Because I do wonder how much of that could be affected by, you know, Starbucks saying you should add more relatively than the other ones or vice versa, yeah, where the ratios are just different. I tried that. So I've, I've always, mm. the first pot I make, I follow the manufacturer's recommended serving. But then mm. with the, the Starbucks brand tells you to, the Star, Starbucks coffee tells you to put the most grounds in than any of the other brands I've tried so far. They want two tablespoons per six ounces of coffee, which is like a lot a lot of other ones are like one tablespoon per six ounces mm. but then with the other brands after making that first pot i mean try experimenting i'll add more grounds and see how it goes and still consistently starbucks has been the best wow now you've you've tested all the important stuff so that's good <laughs> it's interesting though because like i didn't expect that i would come away thinking oh starbucks makes the best coffee yeah. uh, i just assume like no, I haven't. My search has not been very wide. It's been the whatever is at the grocery store has <laughs> been what I bought thus far. Um, so I'm sure I will find better coffee out there. But in terms of like national brand, you can get it anywhere. It's easy to mm. find. Starbucks is like they've built a reputation that's maybe actually uh, supported by the product. Yeah. I, I think the way you're doing it is ideal of like just discovering which ones you like because a really dangerous game is to do research on what people think is better coffee and then drink it because that invariably leads you to more expensive coffee and it isn't necessarily better. And right. also people are very snobbish about things like Starbucks. I will say your experience with the relative Starbucks flavors is exactly matching mine. I think their medium roast is their worst by far and when i go to starbucks i my order is i try to get a light roast if they don't have light i get dark and if they don't have dark i get medium mm-hmm. um and that may be a function of the fact that they have to mass produce the medium in a way that they don't for the other two um but i don't i don't know a great deal of detail but i do think actually starbucks light roast is quite good so i'm not surprised you feel that way yeah it's really good one the other thing too that i didn't understand before i started the drinking coffee was the amount of variance in the 
uh, amount of caffeine within a cup of coffee. So yeah. according to the internet, where you know you can trust everything you find there. Everything is correct. <laughs> yes. uh, Starbucks has like a ridiculous amount more caffeine per serving than any other coffee uh, brand that you can find at a store. Is my is that is just my because you use twice as much? I don't know if it's a function of using it twice as twice as much, which it could be, or if mm-hmm. it's somehow the beans are more concentrated with caffeine. I, I don't know. Well, the other thing is like Starbucks is pretty straightforward with finding caffeine information. Like you can just easily find it with a Google search. Some brands though, there's nothing. Like mm-hmm. the how do we say Gavelli, whatever. I think Gavalier, but I don't Gavalier. know. Gavalier. Sure. So I tried for quite a while to find caffeine information for their coffee and I could find it nowhere on the internet. Hmm. So it seems like some, uh, some brands publish that information or like third parties are testing it because it's so popular and other ones are not, I'm not sure. But the, if you Google like how much caffeine is in a cup of coffee, you'll get an estimate that says anywhere between like 80 to 190, 200 is like a standard cup of coffee. But then you yeah. look up Starbucks Blonde, and it's like 280, 300. Wow. It's like yeah. significantly more than any other cup that I've seen. Which I thought, yeah. wow. I thought by drinking coffee, I may end up actually consuming less caffeine. But quickly learned that that will not happen. <laughs> if, I, if I prefer Starbucks brand coffee, I'm going to end up consuming a lot more uh, caffeine. Yeah. Well, also, uh, you will generally find that light roasts have more caffeine. Um, yes so that that will be part of it also yeah and it maybe i am looking at a 12 ounce serving size when Mm. it's sometimes it's six ounces well the instructions are always based on six ounces which is really funny though because a lot of coffee makers will have a cup listed as five ounces yeah a coffee cup it's so yeah but why are the why are the manufacturers of the coffee and the manufacturers of the equipment to make the coffee not in consensus of what a cup is I don't, I mean, neither of those is the definition of a cup, of a cup either. either. Right, so right. Got yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the secondary issue of you're using yeah. your, but the five your... ounce coffee cup thing is really weird. And I discovered it a long time ago when I was trying to, I forget what I was trying to do, but then you sometimes do have to know what your machine uses. Cause I think there are some that measure them in six ounce cups. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's way harder than it needs to be. Yep. Yep. So why don't you give us some details on the drip coffee maker you're using? Oh, it's not worthwhile to go into. It's literally the cheapest, most basic drip coffee These maker you can find. These are the details we want, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, it's so just you just basic. got like a $10 one. Yeah, yeah. It's actually, it's, I need to upgrade at some point if I'm going to continue to do this. It's just not a very good coffee maker. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know if it works. I would prefer to have um, something a little bit uh, better something a little more yeah do you have something in mind i don't necessarily i but the one that we have now well one is it makes an odd amount of coffee like i'd either like it to make a little bit more or a little bit less because i'll drink two cups and sometimes there's like a third of a cup left uh okay okay so yeah. that's one thing the is other it a five cup one uh yeah it's a five cup yeah usually they're five or twelve cups in my experience mm-hmm. and one feature I'd like, you tell me if this exists or not, but if I'm in the middle of brewing a cup, if I pick up the pot, mm. the craft, don't, craft, I don't know if I, I want it to stop dripping yeah. and just hold the, hold the water for a second. Let me pour the cup and then put it I back. don't know of uh, something that works that way, though it would be nice. Yeah, I have such... like a pretty, pretty fancy one and it doesn't do that. 
that seems like such an easy feature like that would provide a lot of benefit actually i'm not sure would it be easy though because you'd have to like stop the water from pouring over the grounds for a second and uh, when i say easy i mean like easy to understand it would be yeah. like oh there's i'm not sure it would be easy to implement, actually <laughs> right well coffee makers are ridiculously expensive i feel like they should be able that to implement this feature without even raising the price at all like you're already way overpaying in my opinion to Maybe, drip hot yeah. to drip hot water over coffee grounds should not cost two hundred dollars. Well, that's why it's that's why it's ten dollars. <laughs> that's why you could buy ten dollars. That's why you can buy a ten dollars one exactly. Yeah. So the two hundred dollars one should most definitely have a feature where if I lift the pot up, it understands that the pressure like pressure sensor goes off or something. It stopped dripping the coffee for five seconds. It takes me five I seconds. Don't know. Before. I oh. think it would be hard actually because you'd have to you so. The I don't care how hard it is. Get it done. Get it done. I no, don't care. <laughs> I don't. I think you would need like a chamber to store the coffee for a second. I don't know. <laughs> we'll think about this. Maybe this will be our invention idea. Maybe. Oh, we're gonna find out quickly. Like every major coffee pot maker has tried this and failed. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised actually. It would. Yeah, yeah it sure would be nice. But, well, you'll have to you'll have to keep us updated on what you look at. Um, yeah. I do think yeah, drip is definitely the easiest way to go and probably the way to stick for a while. Yeah, I, yeah. I saw like through the some Black Friday sales stuff that I was alerted to is that the um, hand manual pour over coffee cup, coffee pot. There was a bunch of them on sale, and I was like tempted for a second, like oh maybe I grab this, but then I was like no, no, I won't I do this. I think that's a lot of work. Yeah. yeah, even I have really not given up on the pour over, but I do it a lot less. Um, who knows? But uh, what I was gonna say was. I brought home to my parents, where I am now, as I said, um, I brought home my travel coffee kit, which is quite the adventure, uh, because all they have here is a Keurig, which is fine. I mean, it's not, like, horrible or anything, but I don't really care for it, and I mostly drink coffee just because I like it. I don't really just want the caffeine. So my travel coffee kit is an AeroPress. For anybody unfamiliar with an AeroPress, it is a uh, essentially a syringe you put coffee in with a filter and then you depress the syringe which causes a lot of pressure to build up in the chamber and squeeze the water through the grounds um so it ends up tasting a little bit like french press and a little bit like espresso uh because it's pressurized and that i think is the best coffee you can make i think it is better than pour over and much less work and cleaner so i bring one of those and filters and then a hand grinder because my parents of course don't have a grinder and that is just a huge pain that means that i probably have to grind the beans by hand for maybe like i don't know seven minutes i would guess uh just standing there grinding and then my parents don't have a kettle and so i have to heat up water in the microwave which then i need a time to finish at the same time that i finish grinding the beans and it is just it is a whole mess and i probably make like three cups a day so it has become a real ordeal um and i uh, yeah the travel coffee kit is better than nothing but not having a way to heat water in particular is tough and i'm in the market for finding something better or maybe a tiny grinder that's actually electric instead of a hand grinder but it has kept me alive for the last week and a half so i can't complain too much yeah that does sound like a real hassle like quite the event in the morning it makes you decide how much you want coffee <laughs> yeah exactly i'm looking now at aeropress on wire cutter what a yeah. contraption. This is new. This is like new technology in the coffee brewing space. This was invented Compared in 2005. Yeah. This is like cutting edge stuff. I mean, truly, <laughs> there are few inventions that I would praise more than the AeroPress. It is, it is amazingly good. It is like so clearly. I think if I were just like recommending to somebody what to do after you want to try something better than Drip, it's like AeroPress and only AeroPress. It is so good. Yeah. So like... So Wirecutter recommends this. AeroPress coffee maker and espresso maker 
for, and you can get it on Amazon for thirty bucks. Is that like a reasonable mm-hmm. price for yep. an arrow? It should always be twenty five or thirty. Yeah. Okay. I, I should like add this to my watch list on Amazon and see if something comes up between now and Monday. Yeah, if it gets cheaper, you might as well get it. But yeah. I yeah, I think that you won't find you may. I I actually don't know this for sure. Maybe it's worth trying. I think I would usually go to a uh, grinding your own beans before that, but it might be interesting to try. I don't know what it would be like with pre ground coffee. I've never done it. Mm. Maybe I I'll think the place for pour over is when you have multiple people. Because the, the one failing of the AeroPress is it is a one serving. Yeah, I see that from the images here. It's like, yeah. it's quite the contraption. Like you load it up, pour hot water in, and then you just press it down. Yeah, it's um, really cool. Yeah. I, the, I drip the, cup, the drip is, is so nice, though, to create uh, like a lot of coffee real easily. Yes. So way easier i i think tons of people have been pushing for them to create a larger aeropress that makes multiple servings and i don't know why they haven't like i wonder if there's some actual like physics problem in doing so Mm -hmm. already it's actually pretty hard to press down like i you know i'm like a pretty large person and i find that it is like i have to lean into it to to depress the plunger Mm -hmm. and i can't imagine like a hundred pound person trying to press that down like they would have to jump on it so maybe if you were to make it larger some people wouldn't be able to actually squeeze it do you have to have this specific cup so like okay but like but not any coffee cup though will work with this pretty much anyone will you can't have one with a really thin mouth you need like a a slightly wider mug but what about if my mug is too wide uh it's it's got a like so the, there's the middle that sits in there, and then there's like a plate around it that's pretty big. You would need a really wide mug. I have a, a mug that I could like eat soup out of, and it still works. Okay. So okay. Uh, yeah, not a huge problem. But don't, if you do look at it, I wouldn't get the travel one that comes with a tiny little cup thing. Is that the one you're looking at? It's like the AeroPress Travel or something? That was, I, I get think, the real one. That was their, that was their rec- second recommended, the Go Travel Coffee Press. Which is funny because this is not like that much stuff. So I don't understand how this becomes even more travel friendly. Just based uh, on the images just here, you're, just, you're okay. So it comes with and a it's, cup. It's also smaller, even uh, smaller than the original. So yeah, I would really stay away from that one. Okay. Yeah, the travel AeroPress Go Travel Press. So AeroPress is a registered trademark. Yeah, the guy who invented it is uh, like still involved. In fact, if you go to their website, it's right here. He's on there. Inventor Al- Alan Adler is fielding questions about everything AeroPress. Submit your question <laughs> to Alan. Yeah. How how did you do it? <laughs> I I mean, it is really smart, but it really, I, this is where I think I didn't appreciate it the first time I used the AeroPress, but it really does produce coffee that is the closest to espresso in the good ways, where it has like a you just get more flavor out of it in a different way because it's it's brewed pressurized and almost nothing else is pressurized when you make coffee um it is uh, yeah i think it really just makes fantastic coffee and it is so much cleaner than a french press mm-hmm. okay because you you basically just unscrew the top and the filter falls out into the trash and if any if anybody listening has used a french press it is just the most painful of cleanups it's like you might as well not even drink coffee it's so annoying <laughs> Well, I'll keep my eye out. We'll see if I'm able to pick one of these up. Well, that's my update on coffee. Perfect. Um, Anything else we should hit before we go? Well, we didn't get to your electronics, but I think we're, yeah, we're we're at 115. And I don't want to. I bet the electronics won't take long. Let's knock them out real quickly. So I bought nothing new this fall. Zero things. (laughs) Well, that was quick. 
an incredible downer. Yeah. No, I was like, I just, I need to be more disciplined about like, do I actually need anything new? And the answer was no. I planned to buy the iPad Air, planned to buy a new watch, and I planned to buy a new phone. And I was like, none of these items are actually an area of great need for me. And I should be a little more cognizant of just buying random junk. So here I am. Nothing new. I may need a new watch, though. My watch recently has been flaky for the last week. So that may necessitate something. Um, well, I, yeah. I commend you. You you get an applause. <laughs> I don't know if I deserve that. It actually <laughs> bums me out. No, I, no I, I, I think it's easy to say, oh, I want the newest, latest, whatever thing. So, but to look at look at each device and assess it and decide, do I wait one year? It's going to be one year, right, until you get the yeah. next one. Um, I'm in a, I'm in a place right now where I'm making the assessment of whether or not I want to pick up the new MacBook Air. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, I almost bought an ARM Mac. That was on my list too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, and I'm not the ARM. I guess I want to talk a little bit about the ARM Macs. Uh, press conference little Mm -hmm. i don't know the apple event because they there's a lot of hype around it from apple like they're talking about these numbers way better better battery life so much more processing onboard graphics blah 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 entire system on a chip and they talk a big game but then within the actual the same presentation every graph is unlabeled yeah. <laughs> it just shows it just shows the an X an X axis, Y axis with no markings and then two lines. One is colored the Apple like the great line and it's like way better and higher than <laughs> yeah. and then it just says like comparable PC or like best selling PC and like in the same class and you're like, What class are you talking about? Yeah, what does this exactly. even mean? <laughs> so you could just be comparing it to old any old like piece of crap laptop and eh, it was funny. So on the one hand I'm like ooing and aahing i'm like this sounds so great but then when they like actually try to show um some type of actual comparison between it and something comparable there's really no information so it's all just marketing hype at this point to me oh but have have you followed it i have not well i mean i followed it like i've followed i have not seen a review yet on a unit Oh, oh, they they're out, and the benchmarks are out, and basically Apple was right, and they're unbelievably good. That's like a <laughs> summary. They turned well, out go. to be fantastic. I mean, I I I knew they were gonna be strong. Like, I didn't think they would come out and say all of these things without having something to back it up. But it was mm-hmm. just so funny within the presentation yeah. that they were so. It seemed as if they were intentionally hiding it. I guess now it's you... like a parody of Apple. In yes. Some ways. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I am getting kind of tired of that with Apple. It's like they're just hiding the ball on everything, and I just mm-hmm. want some more information about when products will come out and what they will actually do. It right. is really annoying. But they, right. they really delivered on the, the M1 chip from yeah. everything that I've read. Well, that's good. That's good. So I'm thinking what I may end up doing is uh, we have two laptops. We have my MacBook Pro and then a MacBook, which is, like, discontinued. I don't even think you can mm. get it anymore. Um, and the Mac Pro is like kind of like, I mean, it could last, but it's also clearly aged. You can just see the wear and tear on it, and it's like a small and weak computer. It's not very powerful to begin with. So Apple will buy it back for a reasonable price. I'm thinking maybe I'll just do an internal, like a trade with Apple, give them the old mm-hmm. laptop, get the other one discounted by a few hundred bucks. I'll see. I'll see what I end up doing. Like, it sounds I good, think- but... Yeah, everybody everybody reviewing the Air is like, this is the laptop to buy if you're on the fence. It is, I don't know, people have just been so incredibly positive on it, everything I've read. 
Yeah, maybe I need to pull the trigger then and just like do it. Because yeah. the thing is, well, I guess the alternative is like I could just get rid of that MacBook and then only have the MacBook Pro. But I actually really like the idea of having a MacBook Air to travel with. Mm-hmm. Um, lugging the MacBook Pro around is less than ideal. Like it's not that bad, but if you're just going on a short trip and you know you're not going to be really doing a whole lot computer-wise, yeah. you just want to make sure you have one just in case. It's like the perfect device. The this Air is kind is. of where I've landed too. Yeah, and I've been doing. We don't need to like talk about this in detail, but I've been doing podcast editing on my iPad with this app Ferrite, and it is. I like it so much better now that I have the pencil and a large iPad. It's just fantastic, and so that really is like the only thing that I could need to do on my computer that's intense if I were traveling. So there's really no need to have a significant, powerful computer anymore. Yeah, because I even took it a step further and started thinking through, okay, uh, how about I trade this MacBook in, get the MacBook Air, and then actually sell the MacBook Pro on the secondary market for as much Mm -hmm. as I can get out of it, and then reinvest that into an actual gaming PC that I build. Because uh, I'm, I'm... I don't foresee reasons why I need this powerful of a laptop to travel right now. Like I did need it a couple of years ago, but now I don't. So mm-hmm. I'm, but I would rather have a, a PC, but as we already talked about, like you can't even find the components. So I'm kind of yeah. wavering on that now. It doesn't make as much sense. I don't want to, this is still a really nice computer and I'd rather, you know, hang on to it till I'm confident I could easily flip it into something better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no tough decisions. Um, yeah, I, I think I probably will get the new MacBook Pro when they update that with ARM. Like, because yeah. the 13-inch the MacBook Pro to me is not... I just need a big computer. I hate the 13-inch screens. It drives me crazy. I'm still waiting for them to release a bigger iPad. Um, but when they do that, I probably will. So you're going to go with the Pro, like the 17-inch yeah. Pro? If they or add 16 a 17-inch, inch, I would. It's 16-inch, yeah, right? Yeah. I just got, as a new work computer, I just got a 16-inch. And wow, it actually is a lot nicer. Like, the screen is noticeably larger, and the keyboard is way better. It's a huge upgrade. So I look forward to that. Man. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be... I don't know when that will happen for me. I'm hoping... That would be great to be able to, like, demo it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Before before making the personal purchase. That would be really nice. I was for work. I was still using a 2015 MacBook Pro with an HDMI mm. port and oh. MagSafe, and it was just getting super annoying. For one thing, it was slow, but also, it really wasn't that bad. It, the bigger issue was, I have a personal computer that's USB-C and Thunderbolt, yep. and so I wanted to be able to plug one thing in to all my personal setup. But I had to keep changing out all these adapters and stuff. So I'm right. glad to be over that. And one power cord. Wow, so glad to only have to carry one power cord when I travel. So nice, so nice. When are they going to put the USB-C on the iPhone? Oh, I mean, never. I think yeah, I think actually they never. They won't. I don't think they ever will either, which is really frustrating because that would be one cord for everything and it would be perfect. Yeah, that's the dream. But at least it's on the iPad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's really no reason why it shouldn't be on the iPhone, but... No, there really is not. Oh, well. Well, we'll have All to right. check in again. Maybe, maybe in the new year, new electronics will arrive. We'll yeah, see. we can only hope. Yeah, now you got me really tempted to like bu- go get that MacBook Air. No, well, that would be great, great content for our next episode. If that <laughs> you're right, I got to do it for the pod. I got to do it for the pod. Yes, an expense, a business expense for the podcast that makes no money. <laughs> Just write it off. Now, do you watch Shit's Creek? Do you watch Shit's Creek? No. You should. You should. I recommend it. We just watched through it, and it was really good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's, like, hyped right now, but it lives up, at least for me. Yeah. It's good. I have some other friends yeah. who are really into it. Yeah. It's super funny. But one of the jokes within one of the episodes is uh, one of them starts a business, 
and are there rather they're working at someone else's business and helping revamp it and they're <laughs> just buying all these things like this ridiculous stuff expensive bed set seat uh bed sets and clothing and all this stuff and they're using it in their personal life and they're like i'm demoing the products how can i know that we need how can i know that we need to carry this unless i demo it first and the the paternal father figure is like w- w- how are you paying for all this and he goes it's i'm writing it off i'm just writing it. and he goes what do you mean writing it off and he's like i'm just then he's like describe to me a write-off and he's like i don't know you just write it off and then, and then the government pays for it so that's exactly what i'm gonna pull here perfect what a bargain you just write it off you just the write-off people that's what he says the write-off people you just write it off it does sound that way i think as a kid that's what i thought a write-off me was. too a free item yeah yeah, yeah. So just you write it off you write it all. It's such an easy phrase to throw out there, too. Yeah. It reminds me a bit. It made me think just now like of a Seinfeld episode where they're like, how are you doing this, Kramer? And he's like, write it off. You just- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does actually sound like that. <sighs> I will have to watch It's Greek. It's on my list. It's good. It's good. I really enjoyed it. I'll probably rewatch it again at some point. It yeah. has. Yeah. It's still airing, right? Like, uh, I just finished. Just finished. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, I'm in. Then I'll be watching it. Perfect. Yeah, it's on Netflix now. I think you can get all of it on Netflix don't have netflix another problem all right well yeah okay i think that wraps it up there i think that does good episode good episode